Foolishness in the Bible is, is very serious. Today when we speak of someone being foolish, we might use it like this. I might say, oh, if I do something daft, I might say, oh, I'm such a fool. Or if someone else does something daft, I might say, oh, that was a bit foolish. But we say it in quite a light-hearted way. The scriptures, on the other hand, use that word in a different sense altogether. It's much more serious. I don't know whether there is an equivalent modern word we could use in place to make it, give it more, you know, seriousness. But even in our sort of modern ESV, it's still, the word is still used. It's so serious, this thing, foolishness. It's so serious that Jesus uh, gives a list of types of thing you can say wrong. He says, if you say this, you risk this. And if you say that, you risk the other. But the culmination of his argument is that, but if you say to your brother, you are a fool, it says you are in risk of hellfire. That seems very serious. But that leads us to conclude that this word fool is way more serious than how we use it today. So you need, you need to bear that uh, in mind. It's not only that, that being foolish, that is deliberately being ignorant of the things of God, but being foolish is not only offensive to God, but it says there uh, that it can ruin your name. Did you see that when it says that um, just like the, I've never seen a fly in Karen's ointment, but apparently it spoils it and you have to throw it away. And it's, it's the same thing it says with um, a, a small amount of foolishness can ruin someone's good name. Just a, just, a, just a small sort of mistake. If you think about, you think about a church leader, let's say you have a church leader and he's dedicated himself to you for years and one day he says something completely inappropriate now one or two things will happen either you will reason that he's not thinking straight he's having a bad day he's losing the plot a little bit but we know him and we'll cut him some slack but many people uh, will do will react differently and they will say that ha Right, it's all been, he's been faking it all this time. Uh, now the real one's coming out, now the real man's showing his face with that comment. And, and thereby, years of work can be destroyed in a moment because of saying something foolish, which is why we have to guard our words. In Proverbs, it talks about foolishness. It uses a different word. It uses the word sluggard. I, yeah, I, someone said to me quite recently, what on earth is a sluggard? Because we don't use that today. You might work it out. What does it sound like? Well, it sounds like a slug. And they move slowly and don't do much of any use. So yeah, the two words, I'm sure, are connected. But in Proverbs 26... It connects, it uses the picture of a lazy man, a sluggard, but seems to tie it in with this ignorance because it says the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. So there seems to be a, a, a connection there where laziness and this foolishness 
often go together. But the point is, the fool thinks he's clever but isn't. I want to give you five quick things, five brief points from the text, which are, if you like, marks of a foolish person, identifying marks of the foolish person. And the first one is in uh, the verses two and three. He goes the wrong way. That's the first mark. The ignorant man, the fool, he goes the wrong way. So he does the opposite of what the wise man does. And so if you imagine wisdom in this way, that wisdom takes you off in that direction, the fool goes off in the completely other direction. It means that he constantly makes bad decisions. And you might think, well, we all make bad decisions, that's, that's fair enough. But have you not learned down the years? Have you not learned from those things? Have you not developed some wisdom? And you who belong to God, especially, who have access to God in prayer, do you not find that he has helped you in that way? At every turn on this road, whatever we, we, we say it is, it also tells us that he, he shows his own folly. It says there that he, 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 he's effectively saying to everyone that I am foolish by his behaviour. It's so consistently foolish that it's obvious to everyone else that he is foolish. He exposes himself and what's worse, he's unable to conceal it. He, he can't hide the fact and he's not ashamed of it, of his foolishness. So, he goes the wrong way, this, this fool. Another thing he does, he doesn't realise, he doesn't realise his stupidity. Now I need to emphasise here that all we, we are talking about today is nothing to do with intelligence. As I've said to you before, intelligence, like every other talent and gift, is dispensed by God variously, right? He puts each of us on a scale, if you like, from low, medium to high with intelligence, as he does with everything else, as he does with faith, as he does with bodily strength. I'm, um, I'm not going to say where I am on that spectrum, but I know one thing I'm not good at. Uh, I've never, ever, never, ever been, it's never been possible for me to be a champion footballer or anything else like that. Because God hasn't given me those particular uh, gifts and I have to go, okay, I'll crack on with life with what he has given me and use them as best I can. So the point I'm making is that the Bible is not talking about stupid people like people who are, you know, maybe on the lower end of the scale. It doesn't mean that at all. This is something else. This is, this is someone who is uh, <laughs> dedicated to being foolish. It talks there about verse 6. It talks about people being placed in... Uh, it reminds us about people being placed in authority, in places of authority. Now, and it never occurs to these people to step down. They never understand that they, the best thing they could do is step down from those positions. Now, 
It says a similar thing to what we've read today. In Proverbs 19, it says, It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury, much less for a slave to rule over princes. So, what does it mean? You might not be happy with the way things are arranged. You might not be happy that, that there's rich people in castles or mansions. You might not be happy with that. But there is a kind of order to it that God, for some reason, has given them bags of money that he hasn't given to me. And he's given me better stuff. But still, they get to live. And it's a sign of things like revolution when those things are turned upside down. That's why you hear them speak about, this, this is wrongness. You've got, you got rich people living here and you've got, you got foolish people in positions of thought. It's wrong. That's what happens with things like revolutions and coup d'etats and all these upheavals. You end up with people getting killed and all kinds of normal people who have no capabilities of leadership or anything like it in positions of authority. And it never occurs to them that they should step down. Well, we get that a bit nearer to home. Most of you have been employed at some point in your lives. And a proportion of you will have encountered incompetent people in management. It's more common than you think. And it makes you wonder, how on earth did they get there? Uh, when I worked, for example, when I worked in the Jaguar Land Rover, I remember thinking, and uh, in fact, this was a view of, of, of a number of the staff, the whole place would work better if the managers just went home. That's how bad it was. They, they, were so, they were of so little use. In fact, they were a hindrance. It would have been better if they phoned in sick. The place would have run more smoothly. Everyone knew what they were doing. You didn't need someone to come up and say, what are you doing? I'm doing this spreadsheet. Well, well you carry on doing that spreadsheet then. As if they've done some kind of management. And you get people like that, not being mean, but that are fools in places of authority and in management and things like that. I came across something a while back. Um, doesn't matter what it's called, but if you were interested, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. And it describes this strange thing whereby foolish people, um, they're so foolish, they don't have the capacity to realise their foolishness. It's not out of the Bible, obviously. But they don't have the capacity to understand that they're, that they're foolish and they shouldn't be doing that thing. So, the fool, according to our description here today, he doesn't realise his, his foolishness and, uh, and he's often found in places of authority he shouldn't be. Here's another one. The fool doesn't learn from his mistakes. He does not learn from his mistakes. It says in verse 10, speaking there about axes, you know, chopping trees down and so on. Now I have a chainsaw. I live in the 21st century, I have a chainsaw. Did I tell you the story about the tree I chopped down? I probably did, didn't I, Karen? I thought I'd mention this because we're on the subject of chainsaws. Well, chainsaws, they're better than axes because you can go wham right through a tree and take the tree down in, you know, about a minute. Except if you are at your mate's house and he's standing there watching you and you you're three quarters of the way through this tree and then the wife comes running down the garden at top speed screaming not that one 
other one. I'm standing there with a chainsaw. <laughs> chainsaws. But of course, for the whole um, the whole of history, we haven't had chainsaws, we've had axes. And you, you wouldn't be whacking a tree, you know, endlessly. Uh, only a fool would keep trying to hack a tree with a blunt axe. They would not get anywhere, and so they would go and sharpen the thing. But this is an example of how the fool's mind works is that they are the type who wouldn't uh, think of those things. Now, as we go through this, you, you might think that we are talking about uh, foolishness in a general way. We, we, we sort of are, but it is spiritual as well. Because all this business is tied in. We, we'll come to that in, in a moment. But, the fool doesn't learn from his mistakes. And even children learn that, ah, that's hot. And, the child doesn't go back and do the same thing. This is just living. This is this is living, you know, one on one. This is basic stuff, surely. But the fool just just makes mistake after mistake. There's another one in the text in verse thirteen. He talks rubbish. The fool talks rubbish. He waffles on. It says from start to finish, it's just rubbish. And the the problem with this guy is, he's, uh, he's uh, egocentric, is that the word? Uh, self-serving. He, he thinks that when he talks, he's more interesting than everyone else. And that's why he talks. He talks rubbish. and He thinks it's all good, uh, but, but it isn't. Um, and uh, Now, I'm not going to say any of my friends uh, are, are, are fools in that sense. But it did remind me of a particular friend I have who, who's always trying to, um, he's always trying to uh, use big words, you know, to sound clever. So he hears a big word and goes, oh, I'll, I'll get that one in somewhere. But the problem when you do that is that unless you're familiar with that word, you are almost certainly going to use it wrongly. And the person on the end of the phone, it's normally me, has gone, you know, rolling their eyes. But bless him, he, he's, uh, he, he's been a little bit foolish in trying to uh, talk a lot and sound clever, but a lot of it, a lot of it, is, uh, a lot of it is, is rubbish. But the real fool in the scriptures, uh, he, he talks rubbish about spiritual things too. Now, here's another one, because what's worse than talking rubbish? Uh, what's worse is that if someone talks rubbish a lot, so he talks too much, the fool, in verse 14. He talks too much as well. It's not just rubbish, there's lots of it. <clears throat> and again, he just thinks, he thinks, this fool thinks what he has to say is so valuable. Which is why the fool will talk a lot in conversation, but listen very little. Okay, that, that's one of the signs of the fool. They will try to do all the talking, uh, usually about themselves. And so, they talk too much. And uh, I thought I'd mention that thing at the end, because it sounded, well, when I read it, it sounded a little bit uh, strange. When it said, be careful what you say, because the little birds will take it and, and tell someone. That's obviously a figure of speech. 
uh, I thought I would, it would be helpful to compare it to something we use. We say, be careful what you say, the walls have ears, don't we? What a stupid thing to say. That's worse than the bird thing, the walls have ears. That's daft. But what we mean is, be careful what you say because you don't know who's listening. And you shouldn't really be cursing people even in your head, to be honest, when there's no chance anyone can hear. Well, God can hear. But I thought I would then mention that. That sounded a bit uh, strange. The fool, well, the fool talks too much. And um, men uh, talk. Men can talk for England. I know that because I'm one of them. Now, I hasten to add, in a conversation with me, hopefully, it'll be 50% me and 50% the other person. Okay, but having said that, I can outdo Karen in talking, right? I I used to go to my friend's house, I think I've told you before, at maybe uh, 10 o'clock at night, and have a kebab, get the kettle on, and sometimes I'd walk out there at 7 o'clock in the morning, and the sun's sun's come up, and we're all walking out going, Oh, this one's come up again. Let's get some breakfast. And all that time is talking about, usually about the, usually about all this Bible stuff actually, and we we we, we rabbit on and on. But having said that, I had to say that first. But women, women can't half talk as well. I found this thing on the internet. A fella's wife died. Bless him. He died, he was on the 24th of May this year, on a certain year. Now I haven't seen this tombstone, so don't, don't say it's all made up. It may be made up, but apparently there's this tombstone. So she dies on the 24th of May, and after the funeral he gets this headstone made, and it says, Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. <laughs> So, 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 sorry about that, but I thought, I thought I, had, I had to put that in. But really, the fool, the fool uh, talks too much as well as talking rubbish. And so, they're just five quick things from the text to help us identify who these people are. Now, I said I was going to mention this, that when we talked about wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes... I've said to you that there is a a, a kind of wisdom that is good to have no matter who you are, Christian or not. But there is also another level of wisdom attainable only by those who know God. And so you find that someone like me, I'm not a professor, I'm not an academic, I'm not that clever. But there are people way cleverer than me who are in a sense... Uh, foolish. In a sense, I have more wisdom than them. Why do I say that? Because I have access to the Word of God. I am through faith. I have this connection with God. And I understand God. I understand who He is and what is required of me. And that guy does not. And so, it turns out that the less intelligent bloke can have more wisdom. Because it's spiritual, you see. And it's the same thing with this foolishness. Foolishness is, is, is not good in, in any arena. But still, when, we, when the Bible talks about foolishness, at least some of the time, it means it in a very serious way. And so when we think about 
the sinner in this world, that is, those who are unrepentant of their sin. Well, in the same way as that you can have a special level, a special type of wisdom, they can have a special type of foolishness. This type of person takes foolishness to another level because it's a foolishness which keeps them from a relationship with God. The Bible calls this person a fool who says that there's no God. So think of all these brilliant scientists on television. Think how intelligent they are. These are in the top 0.3% of the population in terms of intelligence. And yet they say, there is no God, that's stupid. You see what the Bible says? That they are absolute fools. God's given them, equipped them with an intelligence far higher than all the rest of the world. And what did they do with it? They turned back on God and they said, he doesn't even exist. And the Bible says that is the epitome of a fool. The fool also goes the wrong way, you know? He goes the wrong way. We said about this road. Well, think about the believer. God points us down that way. And we go on this narrow road. And it's a lonely road. What did I say before? Ten people out yesterday. Ten thousand on the parade. And the crowds. And so you've got this narrow road. And there's hardly anyone on this. But that's the way of wisdom. And then you've got this other way. The fool goes. I'm going with the crowd. I'm going with the majority. On the broad road. And that leads to destruction. So the fool. He goes the wrong way. He the fool also talks a lot. He talks a lot and he offends God. Like the guys on the telly, the guys in town, the people around here, they talk a lot and with every word, they offend God. They offend God every time they open their mouths and they will not shut up. It's a willful ignorance of truth here, and it mentions this in Psalm 81, verse 12. It talks about this type of ignorance, this deliberate ignorance. And in Psalm 81, 12 says, God says, as a punishment to them, I gave them over to their stubborn hearts. Imagine that. You have a stubborn heart, what you need is for God to reach out and fix you and drag you in. But how awful for God to judiciously say, they are now cut off, I gave them over, I've left them wallowing in their stubbornness. What a terrible thing. Came across this uh, story, never heard of this place before, but in Pennsylvania, there's a river, Connemore, and I've almost definitely pronounced that wrong. There's a river, Connemore, and it's in Pennsylvania. And in the 19th century, there's, uh, there's this dam. Uh, they built this wonderful dam, and so there's a massive reservoir. And as you know, what's the f what, what you get at the bottom of a, a reservoir on the other side of the dam? You get people living, building houses and things. Uh, but anyway, they took the risk. They thought, that looks pretty solid. And some engineers came one day and examined it, and they noticed that there were uh, cracks in the dam. And so they went and they announced it to the, to the villagers, 
the townspeople and said that they needed to be thinking in the next sort of couple of weeks they needed to get the stuff and clear out because this is going to go. <clears throat> Nothing happened and it was, it was perhaps months later and of course the people are thinking, damn, yeah, it was still here. So of course that gives them a bit of foolish confidence. So the engineers revisited it and said it's escalated, it's gone rapidly, it's deteriorated rapidly, the, the fishes, the cracks in this dam are now worse than they were just a few months ago. And so they, they gave a start war. They said to people, you need to grab your stuff now and get out. And the people just laughed. They had to leave, the engineers. It ended up, the dam started leaking water. And a man on a horse rode through the village, apparently shouting that the dam's burst, run, run for your lives. And the people laughed at him. They said, we've heard it all before. We've heard it all before. Because they were stubborn. And so the dam burst with full fury, and over 2,000 people quickly learned uh, what it means to be foolish, to be willfully ignorant of warnings. I'll just finish on this then and, and speak about the saints. We've got, we talked about unrepentant sinners, those who belong to God are called saints. We are the saints, are we not? How are we different? In terms of guidance, yeah, God's guides us down that uh, narrow path to eternal life. Not only that, but while we're walking on the path, we get this constant input from God, whereby he guides us. He constantly guides us. How does he do that? Well, well, when we pray to God, we... we, we it, it's almost like the more we pray, you know, the more we are trusting in God, the more we are saying, God, we don't know what we are doing. Can you please take over the reins of my life and you steer me, please? Now, what that doesn't do is it doesn't give you a day-by-day -day printout of what you need to do. You need to go to this place. You need to choose that thing. and You don't get that. You have to trust that God will put you in the right places and help you to make the right decisions. There's another thing that uh, marks the saints out from the fool is that they, they, they learn from God. They learn from him, particularly through his word. And so today, for, for, for all the, 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 the word may not be ministered very well if I'm preaching, but the point is that there is, there is truth in it. And as far as I know, everything I am saying today is, is true. And so this is called the ministry of the word. It is taking the word and breaking it and then handing it out. That's what the preacher's job is. And so by just being here today, you're, you're sitting and you're learning from God, really, because it's his Bible, which is the root of all this. And also, you should make every effort to study the Bible for yourself. I would encourage you to study whatever way you can. Get help. Whatever help you need to study and understand the Bible, find it and get into it and read it. There's a great value in simply reading the Scriptures. I know that might sound an obvious thing to say, but there's, there's great value in simply reading it consistently. It, the... the the saint also marks himself out as different from the, the fool because he's more 
or they are more inclined to watch what they say. They watch what they say. So the wisdom from God helps us to sort of know how the thing is going to be received before it's even left our lips. That, that's wisdom. I don't always get it right. So if I've said something stupid or otherwise wrong to any of you, I apologise. I've slipped up. But I will say that most of the time I know what's about to come out of my mouth and I can pretty much predict that it's okay. It's not inappropriate. It's true. And so th this, is, this is just, I thank God how he's worked in my life. And so we watch our, our words. And also, the saint is also a listener. I said this before, but we need to be listeners as much as possible. I said that I take up about 50% of a conversation, and that usually works out all right. Some, I do remember someone saying that, what's that, what's that thing, Alan, about two ears and one mouth? You haven't heard that one? We've got two ears and one mouth, and was to use them in that... What? Thank you, Karen. It means that we, we're to listen twice as much as we are talking. Um, that's, just, that's really just to prompt us to watch ourselves. The, the selfish person is waiting for you to, to finish so they can tell you about them. So if you're the person and you're in the conversation, try to show more interest in the other person than tell them about yourself. Ask them questions about themselves. Be a listener, because that's what the, the church uh, needs. Well, so my prayer today is this. I'll quote this to finish. It's, it's from Paul in Ephesians 1.17. So this is my prayer for, for you and for, and for myself as well. It's from the other Paul, the apostle, the, the, the good one. And he's writing to the Ephesians and he, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Amen.